So welcome to this week's episode of Hot Goss History. We are your favorite weekly history podcast where we talk about all the sexy and salacious stories you've never heard about in high school. My name is Belle. And I'm Ellen. And what's the hot goss? Well, Ellen, uh, today we are going to talk about uh, Rasputin. Ooh. Who, so what do you think about when you think of Rasputin? So the first thing that pops into my mind is the Just Dance song, the Rock Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. (laughs) I used to destroy that in gym class in like, (laughs) you know, ninth through 12th grade. (laughs) What is this Catholic school bullshit of you guys doing Just Dance in gym class? It was like... On occasion, you could uh, you could do the weight room, and in the weight room there was a Wii <laughs> where you could play Just Dance. Don't get me wrong; okay, well, I was like, I would go hard in gym class sports, but if I'm able to do Rasputin, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I went to public school, um, and it was also not sporty. But okay, um, the next thing that comes to mind is that he is the Anastasia movie. And you yes. in in there, and he's like creepy. He has a little bat friend. Those mm-hmm. are kind of my two touch points. That that was what I was thinking you were gonna say is Anastasia. <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, I totally should have thought of the song, but I just didn't. But anyway, uh, before I get started, I want to say that I got the bulk of my notes from Wikipedia, a crack.com article called Six People So Good at Sex, They're Basically Magic." Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what is that source? Uh, yep, it is an article from crack.com called Six People So Good at Sex, They're Basically Magic. A lovely book called The Intimate Sex Lives of Famous People. That is by Irving Wallace, Amy Wallace, Sylvia Wallace, and David Wallachinsky. And I'm pretty sure that they're siblings. I mean, I think it'd be kind of chill like to write a book about that with your siblings. Like it's just, but like at the same time, like uh, that's not um, no. <laughs> I don't love that for them. Oh, and then I also used the book Rasputin, the Saint Who Sinned by Brian Moynihan. Um, and then also the book of kink, Sex Beyond the Missionary by Eva Christina. There's a song. Uh, yeah, anyway, we got that. We have um, him in Anastasia. But then when I think about him, I think about his kind of connections to the royal Russian family uh, or the Russian royal family. But before we get into all of that, let's back it up a little bit. So to go with Wikipedia, like his heading under that article is Russian peasant. And then if you go further down, it is mystic and self-proclaimed holy man. But yeah, so Grigory Rasputin, I don't know. That's my attempt at a (laughs) Russian accent. Uh, I'll probably be going back and forth by between calling him Rasputin and calling him Greg. So anyway. Wait. Wait, that's kind of blowing my mind that his his name is Greg. Yeah, Grigory. Yeah, Gregory. <laughs> Greg. He's Greg. Like, that's so much less, you know, exotic <laughs> and mystic. It's like, oh, Greg down on the corner. All right, yep. Greg. <laughs> Pretty much Greg. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Greg, or my man Rasputin, was born on January 21st, uh, 1869. Nice. In the Siberian village of... I'm going to use my limited remaining Polish skills to try to get these right because most of the pronunciation is the same. Thankfully, they were not in Cyrillic, which I can't really read anymore. Um, not that Polish and Cyrillic, but like, yeah. Anyway, 
in the Timiansky Utsyad of Tobolsk Gubernet, and which is now Yarkovsky district of Tumen Oblast. His parents, Efim Akolhevich Rasputin, who's a farmer, and his wife, Anna Igorovna, um, and how last names work in Russia, it's kind of cool. You basically are just named uh, after your father. So Evich means uh, son of, so his dad was son of Akol, Akolvle, and then his mom was Ovna, it was daughter of Igor. So, right? Oh. And then the Rasputin thing, I'm not entirely sure. I think it's just like a line, right? Because they had like the Romanov line, which we'll get into, but anyway. So overall, his parents had nine children. Um, seven of those children died. In infancy, um, Greg uh, was number three. And then there, the first source I read said that they, made have, they might have had a ninth child uh, named Ferozia, but there's also like a bunch of documents saying that Greg was the godfather to his sister's children. So like she has to have been born. That makes oh. any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, but that's this a is... crazy mortality rate, I know. right? What'd you say? Two out of nine survived? Two out of nine, yeah. So basically, from what I could find, like, obviously, we don't have a ton of records because this is, you know, the 1800s and a really poor, illiterate village in Siberia. But from what I was, I looked, I, you know, it's me, I looked into, like, causes of mortality, things like that. And it looks like kind of a twofold. One, his mom um, was probably malnourished during part mm. of those pregnancies. So, like, if you're malnourished, obviously low birth weight, but also you can't really produce a good breast milk supply. And also they may or may not have had cattle or not because you can use like goat's milk is actually, it's not as good for infants as like formula breast milk, but goat milk has actually been used pretty successfully like way back when mm-hmm. uh, the substitute over cow's milk because it's more digestible. But yeah, so they probably didn't have access to that regard, or I have no idea why. This is just me speculating wildly, which I can do because we're a gossip podcast. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we've got Greg, we've got Theodosia. Anyway, so Greg gave every appearance. Uh, he's grown up to be a peasant farmer like his dad, um, and quote unquote, with a farmer's appetite for work, hard drinking, and loose women. What else do you need? <laughs> I know. That was from Wikipedia. So saucy. I like it. Uh, <laughs> this is. I'm not going to go through and like name which thing came from which source because that's just too much work. But yes, all this came from the source I listed before. Anyway, uh, he seems to have been born with an overabundance of natural lust, a lust which, according to his daughter, Maria, seems to radiate uh, from his 13 inch penis. Wait, okay. There's so much to unpack there. One, why is his daughter commenting on his lust radiating from anywhere? And two... A 13 inches? Excuse me? <laughs> so we'll get into why his daughter is at all qualified to comment on that. I don't like where that's going. No, 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 no. Nope. Okay. Not his daughter. <laughs> okay, nope. Good. Didn't do that. No. So no, not going there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll get, in, we'll get back into both of those things. Okay. Including his massive dong. So. Uh, and yeah, so I did send you the note. The first picture is Rasputin, who, if you go to the next picture, I think looks just like Charles Manson. I mean, they do have a similar vibe. The noses are different, but just like the vibe. Like the, immediately when I saw his face, I was like, he looks like Charles Manson. I'm not going to lie. Charles Manson is much more handsome than Rasputin. Oh, absolutely. Charlie Manson could get it. Well, he did get it. That was a whole thing. Did. But that yeah, was part um, of the problem, right? 
he's really he's quite terrifying looking he has like a really straw strong like brow ridge he's got like a very severe hair part going on he's not radiating lust to me at all (laughs) so we're gonna get to a lot of the contradictions in this and I mean I apologize to you listeners because so much of this is we'll get to it because uh, it, it took me a hot minute going through all the all this research research and timelines to like understand it because if you go linearly you have to like jump for it's a anyway but bear with me but yeah so one thing I do want to say is Rasputin was from Siberia which means that he was very Eurasian like right so we know that like the Ural Mountains which like the big mountain range in Russia I don't know if you know and I mean I didn't really think about the implications with the current war in Ukraine, um, with Russia being a bunch of dick bags. Um, sorry to our one Russian listener. We really hope that you aren't a Russian dick bag. I mean, okay, anyways, yeah. So he his interesting kind of features are most likely due to, you know, the roots there. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom apparently was from Mongolia, right? So he definitely was sort of mixed in that middle there, right? It's just okay. like Russia is sort of like the Middle East right? Like, what the fuck does that even mean, right? It's just kind of like this interesting mix of, you know, Asian features and ethnicities and also European, because there's like the term like a white Russian, right? Versus like, there's the Uyghur people and things like that. Oh, and also in Siberia, there's a bunch of indigenous people. So there could have, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will put him on the Instagram, obviously, and you guys can all decide for yourself. He looks like Charles Manson. I'll do a side (laughs) by side. Anyway. So yeah, uh, Rasputin's a horny hoe uh, who likes to drink and he likes to work. So he likes to work. He's a farmer, right? So he's like, okay. yeah, I can get it done, get it done. I can, you know, you work on the farm and then you go fuck and you drink, right? That's your life. You know, you can, all right. You can yeah. A nice happy hour, five o'clock shots business. All right. I like yeah. it. You got to, you got to work to eat. And I mean, you know, it's like, there are worse things, right? You know, when mm-hmm. he's already living in Siberia. So like, you know, the more you work, the warmer you get. I mean, <laughs> so yeah. So when he was a young boy, uh, and when I say young boy, like a teenager, Quote unquote, his magnificent phallus was the delight of all the village girls who observed him swimming in the nude, as they were, in a local pond. His real initiation into the world of sex came at the hands of Irina Danilova Kubasova, uh, the young and beautiful wife of a Russian general. She enlisted the help of six of her maids in a mass seduction of the 16-year-old Rasputin. With suggestive moves, Irina lured him into a bedroom. When he stripped and followed her to the bed, the maids suddenly leapt out of hiding, uh, dousing him with cold water and grabbing his penis. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Right? He's swimming in the nude. And so everyone's like, oh, guess what? He's packing. He's and then yeah. this lady with her, what what did you call them? Her seductive moves? Yeah. So what does that this mean? Is, yeah. So this is from uh, the Intimate Sex Lives book. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. So, um, so yeah, he's 16 swimming nude. I mean, everybody's skinny dipped until like whenever. Right. And also nudity wasn't a big deal back then because you know, uh-huh. that was, yeah. Uh, but no, she sees, uh, Rasputin. Apparently his dick was 11 inches flaccid. Yeah. I know that just Where sounds are we getting these, this documentation, like who, why is we'll, this measured we'll and why is it. this like written down somewhere? <laughs> See, all of this will become clear because it will make total sense. This is documented. I, 
Okay, and I'm I, also very confused. Why are these ladies made throwing water on him? What is the point of that? So I don't actually know about the cold water thing. Um, I think it was like, all I can think was like to stun him. So they could, I do not know. And then Truly, they're I mean, all just like all trying to grab his penis. I don't know. Really, okay. I don't know. I mean, like, so like clearly the sexual encounter with him and Irina was consensual, right? Like, I mean, it does sound degree, a little like, predatory though. Like he's oh, it's 16 very, years it's old. Be predatory. But also he's a guy, right? I mean, actually I just read a paper on this for one of my classes in grad school. But yeah, so it's sus, but this is his first big sexual like experience that we know of here, okay. right? Um, it doesn't appear to have, like, I don't, obviously I don't know, but there are no kind of reports. And there's actually quite a lot of information on this entire story in his life, but um, that he had like PTSD or anything, or that he felt like he was just like, oh my God, seven hot women want to boat me at once. <laughs> right. He's 16. Can you imagine that being like your first time and you're like, there are seven ladies, no. there's cold water. <laughs> like what? <laughs> So we don't really know if it was his first time. However, uh, it's his first like big experience in any way. It's a major, mm. th- yeah, you're 16. Yeah. But yeah, following this, uh, we know that he uh, started, you know, really having sex with a lot of prostitutes. That was their word, not mine, in the native village. And one thing that I learned the other day is that not all sex workers are opposed to the word prostitute. Many of them... Oh choose to use yeah so it just depends um and some actually appreciate words like whore and things like that yeah which i think is really interesting anyway uh so at 20 ish and to preface a lot of these words are gonna a lot of these years are gonna be ish especially in his earlier life because record keeping not stellar at first um especially before he gets famous uh peasant workers are you know mostly illiterate at this point and Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't really have time or resources to keep a whole stock of the birth debt, right? I mean, also paper is expensive as fuck at this time. And also if you can't write, then like, yeah, yeah what's, you know. Why do you need paper? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so at 20-ish, uh, he married a woman named Praskovia Pietrovna Dubrovna. And some of the sources I found that she was a local girl. Um, others said that he met her in a town called Abalak, which was 250-ish kilometers from his own village. But either way, they lived there, like, in his hometown, in his village, um, after okay. they got married. So after they got married, he didn't, he was still, like, fucking everything that moved. Um, but, like, I mean, was it, like, were they in love, or it was just, like, it's time um, to get married? I, from what I, they seem to be in love, right? Like, I think she was like 16, but I mean, 20 and 16 back then, not a huge difference. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, it appeared that they were in love. Okay. They had four children, uh, three of whom lived to adulthood, better odds than his parents. Yeah. Wow. It was that radiating magic out of his penis. That was Bennett. (laughs) Oh, we'll get to it. (laughs) So in, uh, 1897 he's in his late 20 late 20s at this point he has a sudden religious inspiration and he left to go on a pilgrimage to the saint nicholas monastery any of you who were not raised in a book religion so judaism uh islam or uh catholicism uh, a pilgrimage is according to wikipedia well a religious pilgrimage a journey often into an unknown or foreign place where a person goes in search of new or expanded meaning about their self others, nature, or a higher good through the experience. It can lead to personal transformation after which the pilgrim returns to their daily life. You can think of like the literal pilgrims, right? Like they were going away from persecution to a place where they could, you know, 
theoretically worship, you know, or the concept of going to Mecca. Mecca, um, like pilgrims didn't murder people. And uh, yeah, yeah, I digress. So does he um, grow up religious and he just now is like fervent in his faith? Um, or is he no religion and all of a sudden like divine intervention? He's like, ah. Well, so at this point, it's like, so not everybody used to think, oh, we're so pious back then. It's like, well, no, like the church was an institution, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't a theocracy, but I mean, it's still like part of his life and everything. But like, I, I don't think he was, if you're a peasant, you don't really have the time to be super religious, right? But beyond that, I mean, like we, he did go on some pilgrimages before apparently, but from what I could tell, going on a pilgrimage is actually like pretty common because it was kind of like going on a camping trip or unplugging for a weekend, right? Like, mm it's like an excuse almost to take a little break from being on the farm because you're going for like spiritual fulfillment. Okay. Right. So, but in any case, we're not hundred percent sure why he decides to go on this big one. So there's a couple of hypotheses. So he either left to escape punishment for horse theft. Uh, this one is pretty disputed because later on there's a lot of like smearing of his name by the Russian government and there aren't any actual records um, to support this. The second one is that he had a vision of the Virgin Mary or St. Simeon or Simon of Verkaturia, who apparently is a Russian Orthodox righteous saint. He's also the patron saint of the Ural region. Obviously, it wasn't clear. This is, you know, Russian Orthodoxy is the religion. And Orthodoxy is pretty similar to Catholicism, but it's not mm-hmm. exactly the same. Um, I know a decent bit about, you know, Eastern Orthodoxy that I'm not really going to get into. My parents have some friends that are Orthodox, that are Ukrainian Orthodox monks. A lot of Orthodox oh. people lived in Poland. And I also dated plenty of other Eastern Orthodox people in college because I was a hoe and I've seen it all. So, <laughs> eh, well, anyway, so, uh, and then beyond that one, um, the other theory for this is that he might've been inspired by a young theology student um, that he knew in town named Melida Zabrowska. But anyway, uh, he decides to head out, uh, leaving his pregnant wife and the kiddos behind. Well, he comes back several months later, um, like almost like a year later. Um, yeah. Wait, he just, he just ditches back. his pregnant wife. Is she pregnant with her fourth child or with their like fifth? It child? looks like they're f- no. So no, they they only had four, three okay. survived. I'm pretty sure he. This is either their second or their third that she's pregnant with. I know that. One, she had a baby at home, like in addition to being knocked up, like they were like Irish twins. So, dang, I know. And he's, he's just like, "Bye, I'm going camping." Like, well, like uh, I know. Well, it's like, well, like he wants. It's like, what do you say? Like, I mean, because your husband has like this big spiritual moment. He's also like in charge, but I don't know. Anyway, I say, um, uh, excuse me, I'm having a craving for pickles and chocolate cupcakes. You better go get me those. But you know what? Maybe she was jazzed. You're like, honestly, I'm just going to roll with the like, homies. Leave me gone. alone. Yes. I know. Like, me. just stop trying to have <laughs> sex with me while I'm pregnant. I'm not one of the women who want to bone. But anyway, uh, he comes back after several months and he's like totally different. He's a vegetarian now. He doesn't drink anymore. And he's like praying and singing all of the time. Wait, this sounds like a huge shift from like, yep. I work really hard and then I go drink every day to, yep. wow. Okay. This is not the first uh, big switcheroo that will happen in his life. Uh, Okay. Sorry, not the last switcheroo. Um, So when he's at the monastery, he was, quote unquote, profoundly humbled. 
by a, I don't know if it's a Staritz or a Staritz, I'm just gonna say Staritz, which is a kind of religious elder um, named Makara. And even though he was like super affected by his time at the monastery, um, allegedly for the better, apparently learned to read and write there. Um, and like, as we talked about for monastic life and, you know, religious orders were typically where you could get education, right? Yeah. Because if you are gonna preach the Bible, you have to, be able to read the Bible, right? But he does criticize the monastery for being too coercive, like a hive mindset. Um, and he's also like kind of bitter that a lot of the monks are like boning each other. And like, it's not that he's, he doesn't care that they're gay. Not at all. He's like, you took a vow of chastity and you're still getting off. He's like, bruh. Uh-huh. Mm. So like the hypocrisy of it. Yeah. He does not care at all that they're gay. He's just like, you're not supposed to be having sex with anyone, which honestly, like not mad about. So, yeah. Agreed. Right. If you make a vow and you're then yeah. trying to preach to other people mm-hmm. to behave with yeah. somebody, you should probably uphold that too. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. that was a like commonplace then that the monks were just. I don't know about that. I mean, this is the only real, like uh, at this point, I think this was the only real like monastery he'd been to yet. So, okay. I, but I mean, I, I assume so. But anyway, uh, for the next couple of years, he becomes a stranik, which is essentially like a religious deadhead. Uh, he's just like roaming around Russia going to different holy sites. Um, and at some point he like gets all the way to Mount Athos in Greece, uh, which is the point. Okay. Yeah. This is like the center of Ethan Orthodox fanaticism. Uh, like a big thing to keep in mind here. Like, like I said, he's not Roman Catholic. He's Eastern Orthodox. After this, uh, for lack of a better term, like his big pious and like religious bender, shit starts getting a little weird. Wait, and how long does that religious bender last? Yeah, so that lasted, I believe, for, um, let's see, for three years. Okay. Yep. So 1900, right, he's 30, uh, mm-hmm. Rasputin joins a group called the Klista. Um, so a religious sect that had split off from the Russian, the, the Russian Orthodox Church in the 1600s. So apparently it doesn't exist anymore. Oh. And I'm calling bullshit on this. Like it was going on well into the mid to late 1900s. Uh, so I feel like it's still existing just like quietly. Yeah. But like, why would it be quietly? Does, do they have some sketchy So views? the Clist is basically a sex cult that's held together oh. by yep, certain bits of Orthodox culture, which is like super effective as kind of the glue because most of the members had grown up in the Orthodox church. Okay, so almost like an easy way to, to like slip into it. Like yeah, you have so, something that's you're used to. Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah, the name Clista is technically derogatory. Um, as the members, I think they've kind of absorbed at this point. But so the members called themselves the Christa, which means Christ's or followers of Christ's faith. But critics called them the Clists, which means whip or cane, due to their practice of self-flagellation. So if you don't know what that is, that's like whipping yourself or like caning yourself. So if you think of like a flagella, like a little tail on the end of like a bacteria, that's what it's like a little whip, whips you through the water or the, uh-huh. I guess the plasma, right? Okay. Um, so I'm probably going to, no, no, I'm probably going to get some flack for this. There are some real weird crossovers into like the sexual realm and Catholic and Orthodox rituals. So there's a small, albeit like significant number of super devout monastic individuals who believe in practicing self-flagellation. This is like, you. this is part of like the Da Vinci Code, right? Like that's mm-hmm. one of the monks who's a member of Opus Dei, um, but that like actually is a thing. Some people do still do this. Um, that was like the scariest part of that movie when, ugh. Yeah. 
Yep. So they'll do self-flagellation, which is like lifting yourself or wearing Celise bands, which is like, basically like it's, it's kind of gross. I mean, what gets you, like, do you know what like, the dog choke collar is with like the little spiky things? They don't actually hurt the dog unless they like tug, tug, right. Mm-hmm. Too hard. This is for like, you know, uh, like breeds that might be used for like protection things like that. Um, basically it's like that, but you're like tightening it around your thigh. So it like bleeds and shit. It's not great. Um, so but yeah, I, I've always thought like the reasoning behind that was to be like the suffering of Christ. You're trying yep. to like emulate yep, yep. that. Okay. Yep. So it's the kind of penance mimicking what Christ felt during the crucifixion. And as we know, whips, chains, etc., are one of the big facets of the BDSM slash cake scene, um, like pain and pleasure. Um, the other end of this concept is ecstasy. Um, so religious ecstasy is essentially, for lack of a better term, a spiritual orgasm. And truly it is. Basically, it is a gift from God that gives you an intense sensation of enlightenment, physical and emotional euphoria. So like the physical euphoria there is key, right? So for all intents and purposes, it is a non-sexual full body orgasm. Um, in the pictures that I sent you, there is a, for the third one, uh, it is a photo of the painting of the ecstasy of St. Teresa by Giuseppe Pizzani. She's the one with um, like the bottom of the picture and her facial okay. expression is like, sus <laughs> wait i'm sorry what was the name of this photo again uh it's the ecstasy of saint Teresa or Teresa okay. by giuseppe bazzani it's the third one i think yeah yeah so she she's that's she's enjoying her enjoying herself i would say yeah but like basically i if you look at the definitions of like religious ecstasy versus an orgasm there's a bunch of crossover essentially religious ecstasy it's not caused by sexual contact but it is caused by it's like a spiritual gift but the sensation is essentially the same so it's like a sexless holy orgasm right there's some fucking crossover there right this happens people (laughs) it's like a miracle so yeah wait (laughs) i'm serious i didn't yep Mm-hmm. Wait, it's a thing. So, like, to become a saint, you need like three miracles. I would. How amazing would it be if you're like to my get an miracles? Are- <laughs> I know, right? It's a for fucking for real, though, man. Uh, All right. Yes. Okay. Weird. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. But yeah. So, Clista right? So this, the, the sex cult, that's the offshoot, right? So they took this one step further. Um, and I said, well, fuck it. Uh, God is cool with orgasms. She just hop on the DIY train, which led to a lot of group sex. Worship sessions were allegedly a mix of what could be interpreted as sadomasochism and orgies. Um, Wait, and worship session really just means big orgy. Oh my goodness. Like, <clears throat> so yeah, so this is a little interesting. So and obviously this is not super popular amongst the general population, but like right up our uh, sex fiend Rasputin's alley, uh, ally, the, the, the alley. Yeah, like, like I'm saying, there's a bunch of like big flipperoos with Rasputin at this time, right? Like we went, yeah. So uh, the Clista believed that sex in general, even a marriage was a sin. Um, but to get salvation from God, you had to sin. So you might as well sin big and then atone for it. And like, we'll come back to that, but yeah. So Basically, it's like you show your devotion to God through atoning for your sins, but you can't really atone for anything if you haven't done anything. So just like pretending to like praise God without actually like atoning for things you've done is hollow. Like you have to mean it, which is so you have to like do bad shit 
quote unquote, to then be able to do good stuff. That feels really convoluted. Like to be as pious as I can be, I need to have done a worse thing. (laughs) There's a reason it's not mainstream. Like it's not just the fucking orgies. It's just like, I'm sorry, what? But yeah. um, (laughs) Also though, it does feel like he found like his perfect, like, group of peers right like Mm -hmm. super religious and super like to bang like that okay he found his people and and like yeah and like not only does he have big dick energy because and he actually has right the massive penis 13 inches um not a big shock that he starts holding the clista meetings in his dad's basement so in his dad's basement well, so at this point, like, we're th- you have to think about people are still living in, like, a household, right? So the term of a household meant that, like, one whole family, like, a bloodline would live in a th- one single estate, right? Right. Yeah, like, or, like, my father's household, right? Like, that's mm. a whole thing. Right, okay. So, uh, before each meeting, um, he would ceremoniously be washed by some of the female followers um, who are most likely prepping him for the impending sex-centric rituals. And like, not surprisingly, uh, the neighbors are not a huge fan of this. And basically he gets like ousted from the village. Um, and like most people would be like, oh fuck. But like Rasputin's like, well, damn, uh, now I, get, I have an excuse and I just take this show on the road. And he literally goes on a five year sex tour of Russia. Yeah. Does he bring like some of his group along with him or is he just a one man show? So his wife and his kids are with him, right? <gasps> like his wife is on board. Like she's okay with all of this. Like when she was like, yeah. So when she was asked about like her thoughts on this, uh, she was like, he's got enough for all. Like I get what I need. Like he's got like, I I mean, I guess that's a really healthy attitude. And I think that's a pretty common attitude with people who are polyamorous, but like, yeah, she's cool with it. But yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this sex tour, um, uh, literally what he's doing is he is going from town to town, like proselytizing, like holistic philosophy, but like through sex with pretty much anyone and anything, but like, especially women, but also like he's, he's bisexual essentially, okay. or I don't even know if he's bisexual, but like, he definitely loves the ladies, but he has, he does have sex with men at times. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I, I'd probably call him like, maybe like, a you know, like, like a Kinsey, let's call him like a, you know, a Kinsey too, right? Mostly women, but sometimes dudes, right? Okay. Yeah. So he, and also obviously lots of orgies, right? And the orgies Mm -hmm. are taking place pretty much anywhere, the woods, barns, uh, some people's like homes, like, yeah. Um, This is crazy. It's like mm -hmm. a traveling circus of, of just sexual tour. <laughs> I'm I can't yeah. even wrap my brain around this. I know it's insane. Um but yeah, uh so it was literally believed that his penis contained healing properties and women would have sex with them in the belief that it would cure their anxiety, give them spiritual enlightenment, like yeah, like his dick is like literally a magic stick. Like Okay. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh take maybe 13 is too much that like uh-huh, that's- uh-huh. <laughs> like there's a line like I've definitely dealt with the upper the upper like tier there but like that sounds one little bit gynecological but like two like just like penises vaginas and anuses come in all different sizes uh so yeah but like 
can you imagine being like his wife and like you're just getting your guts rearranged? Maybe that's why she was cool that she's like, I can only handle this shit like once a month. <laughs> like, maybe she, yeah, just like that's why she was glad. He's like, you can go. I'm gonna be pregnant. I don't want you getting all up in there, right? Yeah, of a man. Yeah, no. Um, okay, yeah, so people so, are like clamoring to get with him then because he has this magic cure all panacea penis. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. So, okay. um, so uh, 1905, right? Five years after his traveling sex rodeo, uh, Rasputin settles in St. Petersburg, where he starts using his skills, skills with a Z, uh, to infiltrate the upper echelon of Russian society. I do want to. It's pr- like so. You saw that picture of him, right? Like he's like not super handsome. No. Yeah. So um, I do want to note that, but yeah, you saw the picture of Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's he's physically kind of gross like he's not ugly per se um but i'm talking about the fact that he basically never bathed so was that just common for the time like was no one bathing so was it different no no no, okay no no, no. he's literally like covered in lice and sores and has like a shitload of stds probably like fucking gag me yeah ew wait 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 (laughs) i can't Mm -hmm. he's like he's has like lice in sores and people are like yes bang me please i do not know like i truly i don't know yeah uh in the words of robert massey he's one of the many biographers on good old greg uh quote unquote making love to the unwashed peasant with his dirty beard and filthy hands was a new and thrilling sensation ew yeah i don't love that yeah, so the spiritual so unwell to think about. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, the you know the dirtiness I could kind of get, but like if it was like a hot farm hand who just got them like planting shit, you know, I can. Yeah, no, it's it's the. I think at this point he probably started to bathe, but like before that he's been like I don't know, I I don't okay. know. That's so um, weird. Yeah. Um. Well, no, like, but no, I know in like colder areas, I mean, people would bathe less. And also then obviously bathing is like, you know, a chore, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. because you, your skin will dry out and like, that's a whole thing. Right. Um, but I, I, there's also like a line, right? Like you, you want to like, there's being, there's not bathing a lot because, you know, like people would bathe once a month. That was like a thing, but also, mm-hmm. but I mean, at the same time, it's like, pe- I think it's more just like, first he's like grosser he's over the line right like he's okay, grosser yeah. than most people but also he's coming but like the, i think the big like the big like contrast here is like he's now in the city right like he's not just like traipsing through villages anymore like he has come to like society right yeah yeah so yeah like he's he's like a wild man right like it's a whole thing and also it's probably a little bit like is fetishistic a word it's a little fetishy whatever fetishistic yeah i don't okay. know i know what you mean though because but yeah, because like, I mean, again, he's from Siberia, which essentially is like in its own, he's like kind of like an indigenous person, essentially. So it's like the a weird, like equivalent of like an exotic person, right? Which is kind of okay. fucked up, but like, yeah, he's rolling with it, right? Uh, but yeah, so <clears throat> Magic Dick, kind of gross dude, regardless, the spiritualist movement had been around in Western Europe since the mid 1800s, right? We're talking like seances, like things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. At this point, this is like 1900, or sorry, 1905. This is 
just didn't take to like gain hold in Russia. And then like, so alternative religious and spiritual practices are becoming more widely accepted and also like socially like fashionable, right? Like okay. you know how things kind of, right? Yeah, when the mysterious peasant with a magic dick rolls up, the wealthy, the wealthy women of St. Petersburg are like, hmm. I just, like, there is, like, it's not like you know he has a magic penis, you know, right away, right? Like, you have to get past the initial, like, the initial look, right? To get far enough to see, oh, now he's naked, now I know. Yeah, so I don't know necessarily how he, like, broke in initially to, like, the, but... Regardless, I, I think probably he just started like coming and like talking to like the lower and like move up the chain, right? So because mm-hmm. like that does happen, but like at the beginning, I'm guessing it was just. And I guess if you get one person who then like figures it out, y- yeah, yeah, people so, talk. So we'll get, yeah. Okay. We'll get to it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, we've talked about his dick is huge, but it also had a large wart near the tip with him that made sex with him so pleasurable that multiple women apparently passed out from coming so hard yeah this is i yeah every single thing that just came out of your <laughs> and like i don't know if the word was always there i'm guessing it's from hpv but like apparently that just that just it, it did it's the just thing. doing it for them okay i mean if it gets it done i'm yucking the STDs that he gave them before penicillin was invented. I mean, yes. Yeah. So at this point, uh, he's operating was essentially like a one man brothel out of his apartment. Um, women are gathering in his dining room where they would be called one by one into his bedroom, which he apparently called the Holy of Holies. <sighs> I, I think it's hilarious. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Wait, so is he, is he getting paid for these services? I think so, right? Okay. Like he has to be, like, he doesn't do anything else. Like, right, I, I guess he's a farmer and now he's in the city, so. Yeah, he's getting paid, right? Like, okay. so um, one of my favorite things about this is that uh, the women that were like there, they weren't like considered to have cheated on their husbands. Like apparently men would like actually brag to one another that their oh. wives had belonged to Rasputin like it was like yeah like my wife has been spiritually enlightened by this guy whoa yeah I know Wait, okay it just feels like everybody is going a little crazy like yep none of this seems like logical to me I don't understand well, how everyone's so, getting like the wool pulled over their eyes so so basically the thing so it's kind of twofold. One, so if you've seen like the Hunger Games, you think of like the Capitol, right? All the weird people there, mm-hmm. right? So they're kind of just going with what's in vogue. And it is again, like that weird hive mindset, but also Rasputin is super charismatic. He, again, like okay. that's where the Charles Manson thing comes in for me. He's almost like, basically like, he's kind of like a cult leader, right? Like he, yeah, can, yeah right? Like he has sway. It just has that something, right? So, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, a little side note, apparently he was really into the sexual habits of horses. Like he's didn't, there's no reports that he engaged in in bestiality. Uh, but he was like somehow like fascinated by it or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he would apparently call one. Like (laughs) if you're like fascinated by the sex habits of horses, like that's not normal. 
Well, okay. So for me, I think it's, okay. Well, it's probably two things that, that I thought of. Well, one, I mean, not that it would have been a thing then, but like today we would have said he has a horse cock. I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's like a thing. And like, yes. honestly, he kind of did. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, but then, um, so, but yeah, so basically he would call some of his lady guests, my lovely mare. Um, but then he would like go fuck them from behind. So I'm pretty sure he just liked the like kind of carnal aspect of just like giving it to somebody. Yeah. So, um, even though most of you, uh, probably like me had zero clue about Rasputin's status as like a literal holy whore, probably at least semi-aware of his relationship with the Russian Royal family. Um, especially Mm -hmm. in the context of him curing the hemophilia of the Zadovich Alexei. Zadovich is the Russian equivalent of Prince. If you didn't know, the Russian royalty were known as czars and Zarinas, which is both spelled T-S-A-R and C-Z-A-R. Um, also, fun fact, uh, after our last episode with Grace Kelly, I was so confused as to why there wasn't a king of Monaco. Did a little research. Uh, apparently, the high title is Prince due to um, old monarchic geography rules where a sovereign state had to be a certain size to qualify as a kingdom, right? Ruled by a king. And Monaco's too small for that. And it's known as a principality and is ruled by a prince and a princess. Okay. That makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah. So, like, yep. So, like, Prince Rainier and Princess Grace Kelly, they are the king and queen, essentially, like, effectively, right? right? But they only get to be a prince and a princess because it's so small. Yep. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Right. So, yep. Mm-hmm. And also, that's also why, like, there are like there's not like the chain of like succession there's not like like their kids are still princes and princesses because like the stakes are lower essentially right if that makes any sense like there's fewer people that would be fucked over if like the royal line got decimated apparently yeah again it's it's real old-fashioned but yeah okay so we have alexi the hemophiliac because incest honestly there it is if any I know if any of our listeners who are of legal drinking age ever wanted to make a drinking game out of this podcast, you should definitely have take a shot every time incident is involved uh, <laughs> on there. Yeah, uh, just yeah, you gotta. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said before, um, at this point, Rasputin's getting pretty damn famous uh, among the St. Petersburg elite, and it's not long before he's connected with uh, Militsa and Anastasia of Montenegro. Um, both of whom married into the Russian royal family and were collectively known as the Black Princesses. At first, I thought that maybe they were just like from, you know, Moors, like, but no, um, they were called that due to their reputation for being witchy as fuck. Um, and I love that for them. Yes. Wait, and yeah. that's such a fun name, too. Yeah. What a great Black nickname. Princess. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as one does when they find something super cool, uh, the Black Princesses, the Black Princesses soon introduced their magical friend, Greg, to the rest of the royal family. But yeah, for context, we are still in 1905. Like, he became royal family famous in less than a year in St. Wow. Petersburg. Yeah. Wait, and so how did he meet the Black princesses? Just, like, there in with so, the social elite? Yeah, word of friend okay. of a friend of a friend, right? Like, that's how it happened. Like, so he first, like, you know, I mean, he was... I'm sure like the, the peasants and stuff probably like knew of him from like word of mouth, whatever. Like, and then he like kind of came to the city. It was a whole thing. And like, again, he's preaching whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a person who's like, just kind of into, you know, 
you know, orthodoxy because like, that's what everybody is. And you hear this guy being like, yeah, you can bone and be closer to God. You're probably like, excuse me. And then like the women here and they're like, oh my God, his dick. And it's, it's a whole thing. Like, yeah. Bup, 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 bup. Yeah. Right. So Czar Nicholas, right. Apparently wrote about their meeting on November 1st of in that year, 1905, uh, in his journal saying that him and Alexandra Zarina had quote unquote, made the acquaintance of a man of God, Grigory from Tobolsk province. So a little less than a year after meeting with Tsar and Tsarina, Rasputin was finally introduced to the royal children, including Alexei. We don't know exactly when they became convinced that Rasputin could magically heal Alexei, uh, but most people agree that it was like right around the time they first met, like when he first met the kids. Yeah, so he was repeatedly asked to pray for Alexei. This is like kind of weird to me that like he has no, he's not demonstrated ever that he's, you know, able to cure people or a man of God. But well, like, so like he actually like, he's like a faith healer though. Like I'm talking like, so like at this point, like sure he like has the magic dick, but like through his like weird, like sexual thing, it's like, well, you know, like faith healers, right? Like he like does that. That was like a big thing around it. But like, are the those, sex like, do we have that, that documented at all that he like healed people that way or just I, he well, claims like, it he, maybe and maybe that's enough for them? Well, so basically from what I could find, um, so, uh, the, so the sisters found out about him, I'm guessing like through the whole sex thing, but they're also like, again, they're already interested in the occult. So they probably kind of like delved deeper and they found out that like, cause before this, he'd kind of also been like a holy man, right? Like he's already doing kind of like the faith healing thing to a degree. But okay. again, it gets overshadowed by the fact that, but like his, his penis is involved in everything. And no, he did not rape this child. Like that's just clear that up. No, there's no pedophilia involved here. Thank God. Like that's not at all mm-hmm. thing. So yeah, he's asked to pray for this child, Alexi, but that basically means that people are having ritualistic orgies with the intent of healing the heir to the Russian throne, who at this point is still a toddler. Okay, so they're they're having an orgy and they're saying like before, like the intention of this orgy is to heal this child. So he's asked to pray for Alexi, right? And we know that most of the time when he prays, he's boning. So like, it's, I mean, like, it worked apparently. I mean, apparently, you know, they're absolutely convinced that this man is able to ease the pain and stop the bleeding of their child. And like, honestly, I don't blame them. The first temporary, so this, right, this is 1905, right? The, 1906, sorry. The first temporary treatment, temporary for hemophilia didn't happen until the 1940s when a boy mm-hmm. in the UK got a complete blood transfusion. There's different kinds of hemophilia, different grades. Basically what it is, is so clotting factors, right? They're parts of your blood that keep that help it clot right like assuming like a scab or something when you stop bleeding it's because your blood clots right it gets like thick and chunky it like stops it from flowing out uh and then the modern treatments of the disease with like artificial clotting factors they weren't discovered until the 1990s right like so if i was in their position i would have clung to literally anything like this sure this kid is the heir but also he's their baby yeah a parent of a child with a chronic disease like anything that gives you a little bit of hope i get that Mm-hmm. Even if it's weird and out there. Well, hey, uh, the first instance that we know of his purported healing of Alexi was in 1907. Uh, he was suffering from like a severe internal hemorrhage, like life threatening. And after one night of prayer by Rasputin, he was like cured. Okay. And Rasputin's not doing any other like 
actual medical intervention. Like he's not giving them medicine or herbs. It's all prayer. Yeah. So like, we'll kind of get to that in a little bit, like people trying to figure it out, but Mm -hmm. like, there's some mysticism going on, right? Like Like, it's, it is like a miracle. Like you, from what we, what we know, you think it's a miracle. Yeah. Like people with him, I don't know. People with hemophilia don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like we both know that I'm pretty witchy, but like, let's keep going. Okay. Okay. Anyway, like I was interested in this case or I guess this event because I didn't really, I found the crack.com article about, you know, like six people, you know, who were so good at sex, basically magic. Like I got, I found that first, but Mm -hmm. like then obviously like I knew that he had like been involved with the royal family and like that's part of it but like anyway um so yeah this is all part of it though so anyway during his time with the royal family um Rasputin like allegedly developed a sexual slash spiritual relationship with the Tsarina like the evidence in this is like kind of mixed it's like on the one hand we know that like Rasputin would like apparently like whip his dick out in public a lot and like brag about how Nicholas like the Tsar let him fuck the Tsarina like whatever he wanted and we also have letters from Alexandra, the Zarina, where she's like talking about things like wanting to kiss his hands, later head on his lost shoulders. But like, on the other hand, so there's multiple quotes from her like denying the allegations of their sexual relationship, it, but like in a way that like actually makes me think that like they probably didn't have one. She's like, oh. basically like, we're not fucking, but like, I don't really care what he's saying because he's like keeping my son alive. Like he mm. can tell everyone I'm a whore. I don't care right yeah and like that makes me think because I mean I feel like like the whole like we think Lady Doth protests too much like yeah the yeah. fact that she's like I don't give a shit right and also like the the, the Zari's like I don't care right like I want my baby to be alive and also the heir to the throne right like mm-hmm. it's important but also their baby right yeah um, but that's so yeah. weird that Rasputin is just like Ugh. yeah I yeah I don't know but like maybe they were and like I don't know but like at the same time it's it could go either way I don't know mm-hmm. right and like maybe I I don't know and maybe right they were having like sex like ritualistically and she was just like mm. yeah I don't know yeah. she's like I don't yeah right she's like I don't love him no 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 but I will do whatever I have to do to keep my baby alive like in the, the movie like Tale of Tales it also feels like he is good at climbing the social ladder and so that maybe is you know the next step, right, is to be like, oh, I've conquered the Tsarina. I mean, like, at this point, he's, like, getting close to kind of, like, girl bossing too close to the sun. But, like, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, so, no, the most famous report of Rasputin um, healing Alexei is from 1912, when Alexei developed a hemorrhage in his thigh and groin after a super rough carriage ride over uneven ground. Like, if you think about, like, when you... Aww. Well, you know, like you're driving in a car and like, you know, you go like, but you're like, you can feel like the shocks, like in the car. Like, so mm-hmm. if you're a person who has hemophilia and again, there's different grades of it. Um, but even just like, so there was a kid I went to school with, same as Charlie. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. I didn't like him, but anyway, he had hemophilia and, uh, he had to wear a helmet on like the playground. Right. Because if he, mm. at, at anything like it's like, it hits like his arm or something, like, obviously it's safer than like it's not gonna be good but like if he like hits his head like game over right yeah. that's like a cerebral hemorrhage and he's fucking yeah right so like it's not only that your blood can't clot properly but it's also that there can be like deficiencies in like your capillaries and stuff but yeah so at this point obviously he it's it's he's an immense pain right obviously if you can think about it like you're bleeding internally 
like, like when you get a bruise, it hurts, right? The blood's pulling mm -hmm. up and then it stops, right? But if there's, it doesn't stop, like it just hurts. Like your entire body's becoming one big bruise and it's, on his, it, yeah, he's got a high fever, you know, shit is not looking good. Aww. And at this time, Rasputin's all the way in Siberia, right? But the Alexandra, you know, asks her BFF, whose name is Virbova, um, who's also like a huge believer in Rasputin's abilities to, um, you know, she's like, Virbova, send, you know, Greg a telegram about the situation, like have him pray. Right. And Rasputin writes back saying, you know, he says, uh, God has seen your tears and heard your prayers. Do not grieve. The little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. So this time it takes two days for the bleeding to stop. But like, even so, it's like essentially a miracle. Like one of the doctors who was there, uh, Dr. S.P. Fedorov said the recovery was wholly inexplicable from a medical point of view. Wow. And he also, yeah. And he also said Rasputin would come in, walk up to the patient, look at him and spit. The bleeding would stop in no time. Uh, how could the Empress not trust Rasputin after that? So if you're wondering, like, um, spitting? Yeah. Uh, so the two things I couldn't find exactly, but two things that I can think of are, um, so first, uh, in the Greek Orthodox tradition, spitting three times is like a common superstition associated with protection against the devil in the third eye. Um, okay. like we know he spent time in religious communities in Greece and like, you know, obviously Eastern and Russian Orthodox are the same, but there's some crossover. Um, and also this is a thing in Russian Jewish tradition. Um, and like, obviously he isn't Jewish that we know of, but it's not unreasonable that he would have met some, you know, Jews mm -hmm. along the way and like his sex rodeo across the country. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> okay. The entire time I was writing this. I was like laughing out loud in the coffee shop I was working at just like, cause I would, it was just like, like, and it's not even that funny, but like, you're just giggling because like, how else do you relax? You react to a guy with like a magic penis with a big wart on the tip. That's orgasm. How, what do you, what do you do to that? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So we, we can't know for sure, obviously like why and how a Rasputin can, is able to cure Alexi. Some historians have speculated that he was basically just preventing doctors from giving Alexi aspirin as a pain reliever. Oh. So aspirin also has a blood thinning effect, um, yeah. was, but this wasn't really known, known until the fifties. And like, I actually kind of buy this because so a couple of reasons. So most folk medicine traditions, uh, like where Rasputin grew up. So he grew up like in a tiny little village, right. In Siberia. Uh, they, most of these traditions include ample knowledge of willow bark. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually Russia has the largest amount of willow trees in the world. I oh, learned wow. that today. So uh, that's cool. And which is the, yeah, aspirin was originally derived from willow bark. And like, it's pretty reasonable that he would have had like anecdotal evidence of like the blood thinning effect, right. Of willow bark. Right. Yeah. So, but, but at the same time, it's like, there's still like some hanky shit going on. Like, how did he stop the bleeding? Like this kid should have fucking died. And like, I, there's something going on. I don't know. Like there just is, I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm I, having a hard I time, know. like, wrapping my brain around it. And obviously, like, I'm not, like, I do believe in miracles and divine intervention. So I'm like, I guess that's maybe what's happening here. So I'm there like, okay. miracles when you burn. Honestly, the entire Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Fucking bangers. <laughs> True. Uh-huh. I just... I don't know why I'm having such a hard time, like, believing that this, like, lice-covered man is doing that. I don't know. But I well, do I like, I like the idea of the aspirin. 
or like the lack of aspirin. It kind yeah. of reminds me of like, you know, when if you weren't bled like with leeches, you know, then like those people miraculously survived because you weren't like making yeah. them weaker or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But also like well, that was actually kind of it's kind of the same principle. Yeah. Like and it was good for some kids. Yeah. Right. But for some also, things and others yeah. it like mm-hmm. makes it worse. Yeah. Um, okay, if you go to the next picture, that is okay. little baby uh Alexi at age eight. That was when he was healed. That was when, like the big thing happened, right? Aw, he's so precious. He's in this little almost like, like a little sailor, sailor outfit. Yeah. It's adorable. a sailor suit. Mm-hmm. He it's and he cute. is a very cute little kid, actually. Yeah. He's a cute kid. I mean, so yeah, I will say the Romanov children got pretty lucky because they, other than like the hemophilia, so hemophilia is X-linked. There are some traits that are recessive, some that are dominant. And so hemophilia is a recessive trait, but it's also X-linked. It's carried on the X chromosome. So boys or people that are assigned male at birth only have uh, one X chromosome, so they only need to have one bad copy of it to be hemophilic, but women have to have two bad copies of it to be hemophilic. So you can be female and a carrier without being hemophilic. But yeah, so obviously it ran a lot in the royal families of Europe, aka the royal family. Oh, gross. Um, but yeah, but no, the kids are cute looking and they weren't otherwise like, they didn't appear to be, you know, like intellectually, you know, disadvantaged or anything. But yeah, so... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we don't know why y- you can decide if it was just the aspirin, but also like he said, like, keep the doctors away. And maybe that was like, have them not give them out, but like, it should still weird though. Right. Like that just not giving a kid aspirin shouldn't, ju- I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Even with this growing acceptance of mysticism in Russia, Rasputin is quickly becoming like a controversial figure, like, especially in the context of like how much influence he had at the Royal family. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so rumors began to surface that he had perpetuated multiple rapes, uh, including against the czar's daughters. So like, actually, though, this is like surprisingly, like men are trash. We know this. But these allegations are actually pretty sus. Like, so there's actually there are a couple of reasons. So there are tons of allegations of like all kinds this time that is like growing more controversial. So like, like I said about like him stealing the horses and whatever, that's why he left initially or like that he is like fucking horses shit like that right um and like as much as he's valued in the royal family like it's super unlikely that they would have just like rolled with him raping their daughters like yeah even if he's right like even if he's because i mean yes of course they want to this is like of course like the them wanting to save alexi is like twofold right like yes he's their baby he's also the heir right like it's really important because they're the last of the romanovs right like that's the whole plot of anastasia she's yeah. the last of the romanov line but uh and like also though there wasn't the precedence in Russia, you could be, you know, you could have a female ruler, you could have an empress like Catherine the Great, right? So obviously he's first in line, he's the boy, but still like, you know, like, so they love their kids. Right. So they're not going to just be like, yeah, that's fine. He can- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And like, even though he's a hoe, right? Like there's zero evidence that I could find of like true, like totally predatory behavior. Like we know he's like cult leader-esque and like he's convincing people the path to salvation is through sex but like his jam is like mutual sin right mm-hmm. like like consenting individuals like yeah yeah not yeah like the it nothing that i found was like salvation came from like a single person like raping somebody right like the whole thing was like we're gonna sin together and do right so like definitely creepy and like sus but like and obviously but like i don't 
he was sought out frequently, right? Like he would be like, you know, like I hate to say, I don't, I don't really buy this, these rumors. I don't, all this is going down, you know, like he's still in favor with the Royal family, but like, anyway, though, uh, 1914, right. That's where we are. He's been, you know, now with the Royal family for about eight years at this point, he is stabbed in an assassination attempt, uh, by a woman named Kionia, uh, Guseva, uh, whose story is super sad. Uh, so she's a follower of Iliador, who is one of Rasputin's biggest religious critics. But yeah, she, um, Kionia appeared to be like a survivor of sexual abuse, um, oh. from which she ended up contracting syphilis and like she ended up losing her nose because of that. And she was like likely coerced by like religious leaders into thinking like he's a bad person, like he perpetuates sexual abuse and these things, right? Oh. And like, thankfully, she was found not guilty, right? By reasons of insanity. Um, and like they did try to like, so they kind of did persecute Iliador. He was ultimately defrocked, right? He was a, a Orthodox like priest essentially. Um, and he was exiled. Um, and then if you go to the next photo, you will see a noseless woman. And that is her. That is Kionia. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's mm-hmm. very tragic. It's really sad. Oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and is that then like motivated like politically or because they have the religious differences? So it's kind of like both, right? So like they probably wouldn't have just like tried to kill him if it was, because they obviously, it was like heretical, right? But they probably wouldn't have just tried to kill him just for that. Like it was both. Like, so, you know, the Orthodox church is meant to, you know, the church at this time in any, you know, uh, kingdom is super tied to the monarchy, right? Like that's kind of the whole point of a monarchy is that there is like this divine right to rule, right? So if the church is losing its like sway and Rasputin's getting more sway, it's like, are we gonna be ruled or like dictated by the sex fiend, right? Like- Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, yep. But yeah, so, but despite recovering from this initial assassination attempt, uh, Rasputin did not survive the second attempt on his life two years later in 1916. But like in itself, this attempt contained four individual attempts. Uh, the first Whoa. three of which Rasputin survived. Yes, yeah, so this is one night, right? So um, he is murdered by a group of men who are jealous of his power in the royal regime. Okay. They lured him to the house where this happened uh, under like the guys. They wanted him to like bone one or more of their wives. Oh. Um, I could yeah. see that working out very successfully. He's like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so they gave him some poison tea and cake that was laced with cyanide and he's fine. Wait, he drinks poison tea. He eats poison cake and he's like, no big deal. Yep. So they also give him some Madeira wine, which is also laced. He still doesn't die. Like he's a little weakened, but he doesn't die. So apparently when he's in the state, uh, Rasputin is then, you know, raped by this guy named uh felix um yusupov uh yusupov was apparently i know a prince who was gay and he'd wanted to have sex with rasputin and rasputin did have sex with men but rasputin was like no no i don't want to have sex with you and like that really pissed him off oh because he's like why does everybody else get to have sex with this magic man and not me do do we know why he said no to him because it kind of feels like he was banging everybody so we don't know why, but like, I'm also kind of guessing it was something, you know, 
a complete guess, but like all I can think is that so Rasputin is like totally mystical and like all these things like so clearly like vibes are a big deal to him and he's probably yeah. like honestly I don't like your vibes like you're probably just trying to like get with me because you want more power you don't want more enlightenment right right so right. Mm-hmm, that's all I can think of so but I again I have no idea but yeah so that happens which is really really sad but after that uh they shoot him in the chest um and he appears to be like dead and stuff but then she's so in a basement that's where this is happening so but like after like some time apparently Rasputin just like leaps up and is like bye motherfuckers and they shoot him in the chest after he's already been like eaten cyanide and he's like see ya wouldn't want to be ya so he yeah he yeets up he sprints upstairs like and then like out into like the nights in winter I believe and he uh is then um shot though again he tried and to run and he fell and then he's double tapped in the head uh for good measure so he's actually dead so here's some like more so let's just let's get into this a little bit okay so so he was wearing a crucifix before you know like when he was having the cyanide and like he was shot and left up but allegedly the crucifix had come off either they took it off or it fell off when he was running and he didn't have it on the second time when he got shot and he died so like was that related or that just a coincidence right because like even though like again the whole sex seems unpopular like he still claimed to be a man of god like he was mm-hmm. in his own way like he was devout to whatever he believed right like he was devout to this you know cholesticism. so um that feels anyway. like a little too witchy for me to be I like know. the necklace came off and he died. But I wonder, could it be like they shot him? It hit the crucifix. So well, he, this crucifix he, is wood. So oh. yeah. So maybe it doesn't really deflect. Yeah, no. So hold on, it gets weirder. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so after his death, right? So they he gets an autopsy, right? Um, no traces of poison were found in his body. Hmm. All of his murderers admitted to trying to poison him with cyanide. And like, they found the cyanide, like it was confirmed that what he ate had cyanide in it and it would have shown up in an autopsy. But there was no cyanide. Like they were advanced enough to be able to... Yeah, cyanide is a pretty like... Yeah, it's pretty like so pretty characteristic is like the smelling like of bitter almonds right like from mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like other stuff like but no there were no traces like you can yeah was he so, like a really big man yeah I mean but like also though you it takes it does not take much at all of cyanide to kill you so yeah I don't know but yeah so there is a conspiracy theory about how the British government was involved with his death what <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, like, unlike how the U.S. government, like, swoops out a role in killing Marilyn Monroe, um, like, most historians are like, this is bullshit. Um, like, I didn't go too far on the road, but, like, basically, like, in a nutshell, it was just something about, like, he had too much power, right? But, yeah, so he received a royal burial, um, but he was later exhumed uh, after Nicholas abdicated the throne in 1917 um, by, like, rebels who didn't want his grave to be, like, a rallying point for loyalists. 
you know, and, oh. you know, a year later is like when the Romanov massacre was, you know, yeah. And like in 1917, that's when like the October riots happened. But yeah, uh, my favorite part of the saga of Rasputin's death. So Rasputin's penis is currently on display no. in a jar no. at the Museum of Erotica in St. Petersburg. No, no, no. <laughs> I would like you to scroll to the last picture I sent you. Oh, oh that's also God. a picture of Rasputin's dead body. But yeah, the his dick in a jar. Oh, my God. Wart and all. Wait. No. <laughs> Wait. Who? When? How did it come detached from his body? So this is at on display at the jar of, in a jar at the Museum of Erotica in St. Petersburg. So his penis was allegedly severed during the assassination attempt, right? So like there is, it's alleged that his rapist cut his penis off and just chucked it aside after, like oh, he'd be the last God. person. After which it was recovered by a maid who then preserved it first in a wooden box and then in the jar. However, like many things associated with, associated with our boy Greg, this one is also shrouded in mystery and controversy. So during his autopsy, there was no note that he had been castrated, but like pretty much everyone concurs that the penis in that jar is actually his. So how, if, so did they just not put it in the autopsy report to like save face? Or like, or also did they like take, how did the dig get in the jar if it wasn't, wait, how did the dig get in the jar? Wait. So, yeah, so they did the autopsy, like the royal autopsy, and there's no documentation of it missing. Yeah. And like they did like the other injuries, of course, like, but. Wait, okay. And then this maid supposedly keeps it in a, just in a box? In a wooden box. For how long? So she had it in the box until 1968. Wait, we're talking like 50 years. Wait, yeah. wait. Um, whoa, <laughs> excuse me, excuse so me. So basically, so she mummified his dick in a box. How did she, like, what? That part seems very far-fetched. How does this woman know how to mummify his dick? She didn't do it on purpose. She just saved his dick. And like, mummification isn't actually that hard to happen. Like, sorry, that unusual like right conditions it's dry enough whatever it's yeah but doesn't wouldn't it just start to decay so the so it's not in the ground right so the water has a place to evaporate like it's getting wicked away right like by the i don't know but yeah so the box his it apparently looked like a banana like a brown banana and then at some point they put it in a jar and they put it on display okay also how did this made how did it get from her box was she just like did she pass away and her family was like, hey, we've got Rasputin's penis in a box? I'm actually like pretty sure that's what happened, to be oh. honest. But like, but like apparently there's like, I found this in so many sources. Like, I guess there's, I couldn't, I didn't get too into it, but I guess there's like a lot of like support and documentation that this is his penis. I mean, well, for one, a lot of people have seen it. Right. So mm -hmm. we could have a lot of witnesses verify. It's got the wart on it. Two, it's got the wart. Three, mm -hmm. it is pretty large. So it's, it's not like size wise. Oh it is 13 inches long. And that's like, you can't just like be, there's not a bunch of those to be finding <laughs> everywhere. With, right. 
for now moving on from the dick in the jar i am incredibly disturbed <laughs> by this portion <laughs> of the podcast i love see like when i was like whoa a dick in a jar i was like so into it like if I had my, if I like, I don't know, if let's say I had like my appendix removed, I don't want that shit in a jar. I want to see I that. would too. But I think there are some pieces of me. I don't, I don't need it in a jar. Appendix. Sure. That one's cute. More just like, okay. So right. This mate, right. So he's got a magic penis and she believes that you want to keep that magic penis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then she's got it for 50 years, like literally well, okay, 50 but years. Could it also but if it wasn't written on the autopsy, like maybe, maybe he did have it. And then maybe the coroner was like, Hey, this is famous. I'll just, I, yeah, that's, so that's an option. Right. Or also yeah. when they exhumed his body, maybe they cut it off like to, for, well, we don't know. Right. Like, so it, could, but regardless, it's more than likely that however it got there, that is his dick in the jar. Anyway. Um, so, uh, you know that I love a little sexy math. But yeah, unlike Tolula, darling, Rasputin, darling, never made any claims about how many partners he'd had. Um, <laughs> but out of curiosity, I did a little hypothetical sex math. Um, so we know uh, he's sexually active for like 30-ish years of his life. Um, and the last 15 are like super, you know, Bacchanalian. Like he's having sex as a job and also it's a group sex, right? So, mm-hmm. and that still counts. Like even if he's not penetrating those, like everybody, they're still sex partners. So in my opinion. So, but no, so I'm going with the conservative estimate. Oh God. And having 10 different partners on average during his first 15 like garden variety hoe years, right? Like we know that he loves to have sex with sex workers. Do you and mean then he 15, cheats a lot on his wife. 15 a so, like, day, 15... No, like since we're doing his 15, his first 15 years of being sexually active, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm saying that he has 10 sex partners a year, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like we're at 150 partners, right? That's where we're at. And then if we go in the last 15 years of his sexually active life, he was like 46 when he died, I believe. That puts us, okay. So yeah. So last 15 years. So again, like he's like kind of a professional, right? A perceptional at this point. So Allegedly, he like never went a day without boning and he nearly always had sex multiple people in a day and the massive orgies. I went with the estimate of like 500 people per year. And and that's 15 years. That gives us like an additional 7,500 partners. But like, even if I'm way overestimating, I'm very confident in saying that he had sex over 5,000 people during his lifetime, which is just like, damn. 5,000 and you're, you're like, your estimate was 7,000. My estimate was 7,650, but I'm like scaling her back. And like, I'm pretty confident in that. And then I was just thinking like, I wonder like how many partners, like the average sex worker has in their career. Like, I'm curious, like that's like, I don't know. I mean, like if we have any sex workers who listen to the podcast, like, let us know. Like we're curious. Um, I don't even think I know 7,000 people. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I, but yeah, you know, like sex workers, you're doing God's work in the eyes of Rasputin. So, I mean, it's true. Uh, so my fun little tidbits that I found. So after his death, uh, his daughter, Maria moved to France, like right after, and then she went to the United States. Um, and in the United States, she became a dancer, but then she became like a, she became a lion tamer in a circus. Oh, okay. 
What a pivot. Sounds like its own adventure. And then I just thought that I would leave you with, you know, this quote by Rasputin that's kind of like the, that kind of encompasses everything that he's trying to just, you know, trying to proselytize to us. So, so as long as you bear sin secretly and within you and fearfully cover it up with fasting, prayer, and eternal discussion of the scriptures, so long you'll remain hypocrites and good for nothings. So he's like, by letting like your negative thoughts of like, and your like lustful thoughts, you know, stay inside your head. You're not being truthful about what you want to do. And like, you're lying mm-hmm. to yourself and you're lying to everybody else. So you might as well just do it and then repent for it. Like at least you're being honest that way. I don't like it, but like, yeah. So that is the story of Gregory Rasputin or our main man, Greg. Wait. Okay. So in the beginning, we said that his daughter said his his penis radiates lust, maybe? So I came back to that. So, okay. This is a quote from uh, the lust seemed to, so his according to his daughter, the lust seemed to radiate from his 13-inch penis, right? So, like, just having a dick that he's, she's just, like, she's being, of course, like, her dad is famous for being, you know, like, a yeah. literal sex healer so she's like she's thinking like the so if his penis is magic she's thinking like I guess like him wanting to have he had like it's like a god-given like mechanism for him to be able to like mm. spread the magic like you have like he's given you know this libido so he can you know basically like spread the faith as far as he can <laughs> I don't like yeah so like I, I what do you do you're raised by in like this weird sex right. cult and like but also again like from what I found I mean like he again like I got we cannot know but nothing I found seemed to say that like there was a, any kind of pedophilia or any kind of rape involved in this like yeah so I mean, if his daughter was not sexually abused and I, I don't know, really, I don't know. So, and I mean, it's again, if, if a whole country weird is it, to think about that, like he has children who just like come to America and live a regular life, regular ish, well, right? As like, how normal is it being a lion tamer? <laughs> but I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is crazy. My mind is I know. reeling. Hmm. Yeah. I so like yeah. No, I saw this article and I was just like, oh, that's funny. Like a dick in a jar, because like you know they would like would preserve people's like skulls and stuff, and you know mm-hmm. that's a whole thing. But then it wasn't just like a dick in a jar. It was like a whole. And I was just like, I kept going in this rabbit hole, and I was like, wait, what? What? Huh? It, it just kept <sighs> getting weirder you guys I spent like I'm supposed to be writing papers right now (laughs) for like you know like my job grad school my job but I could not I was I was in deep I could not stop reading about Rasputin and his big schlong it honestly Um, kind of reminds me of and this is maybe not okay to say but it reminds me of when saints have um yes relics relics Relics. yeah and like that's what yeah and that's that's kind of what this is reminding me of and it's like oh how did this piece of them not deteriorate 
and like we keep it in shrines and we're like this is amazing like that's what I think this is literally like the title so one of the books I read is Rasputin the saint who sinned like he's considered like a saint in this weird little sect I'm like is he a saint he's like a I don't and are his miracles like Alexi being healed did he have a shitload of miracles I know I would love to hear if there were other other people well, like, like documented who were healed you know yeah, like, I don't, yeah and again like I have no idea and like again the thing was like especially with like women and his penis like this is again still in times of like quote-unquote hysteria but apparently people would be healed of like their anxiety like big time mm. or even like other ailments like heart palpitations and stuff like just by having sex with him that that's crazy that's crazy I know <laughs> I, I feel know. like you took me on such a roller coaster and I'm fascinated and horrified all in yep. one. And I'm like, I think that's like the most satisfying episode to be like, I'm, I am disgusted and so intrigued and baffled all wrapped up and put a little bow on it. <laughs> um, to our, so listeners, I will, I can't, well, I don't know if I can, I'm not going to put the dick in the jar photo on the Instagram because I don't want to get our post taken down but I will put the link to the dick in the jar photo on our Instagram description so you can click on that at your own like risk right like and also I mean I don't think it's obscene especially if we have younger listeners out there um I think that you know well if you're I don't know how young you are yeah, at this, this point podcast, like, but also oh yeah I don't know <laughs> but but at the same time like I don't think that organs are obscene you know I, I think it's appropriate. I think children should know the proper terms for penis and vagina, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I also get if you do not want to see a penis in a jar. So yeah, I will put the link there. I will not put the actual photo on Instagram. Yeah, I uh, I don't have anything else. I mean, I have lots of other things, but I guess for now, uh, thank you uh, for listening to Hot Cuss History. You can find us on Instagram at Hawkeye's History. You can email us uh, for any of your suggestions or episode ideas at History at gmail.com. And if you liked this episode or any of our episodes, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That is how the podcasting world works. And we'd love to work in the podcasting world. <laughs> um, and as always, thank you to Pat and Alex from this side of paradise for our intro and outro music. And, and stay, stay juicy. juicy. <laughs> I think that might have been our best stay juicy ever. <laughs> <laughs>